Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Welcome. Good morning, beloved. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you and pray that you had a most blessed feast of the Immaculate Conception yesterday. I, um, I am trying to look up um, a... Uh, I don't know how to do it. I just don't know how to do it. So um, there's a wonderful little book. And this is an old cover of it. It's Spiritual Steps to Christmas. Um, It's really, really lovely. I'll show you if you can see that. Spiritual Steps to Christmas. And it is um, published by Refuge of Sinners Publishing. It is um, authored by the very Reverend Monsignor Aloysius uh, Coogan, C-O-O-G-A-N. And it's not very old. It's 1953. And uh, we've been reading this as a community. And for Our Lady's Feast Day yesterday is a beautiful, beautiful entrance. Um, And I I wanted to read it from my computer, but I can't bring it up. So I'll just read it to you from, from the book directly. Our Lady and a Changing World. The Feast of Our Lady coming in Advent affords us an opportunity to think of the part womankind should play in the ever-present drama of life. For Mary is the model of all Christian womanhood. Women are endowed by the Creator with fine sensibilities and a most noble love. They are meant to be the inspiration of men. If the ideal of womankind is high, if she is exalted in men's estimation, if she is loved for her virtue, then the opportunity for good that is afforded mankind is tremendously great, which is why I often say, dear ones, when women call in and complain justifiably about their husband's behavior or lack of it, they don't know what to do, my answer is always live your vocation. Be a holy, holy woman of God, a holy wife, a holy mother, Live out your vocation as the heart of the home in love. Don't order him around. Don't complain. Don't ever say a disrespectful word about him to children or friends or anyone else. Live your vocation. And through your holy life, God will change your husband. You cannot change him. I'll continue with the article here. Um, Paganism degraded womanhood and robbed her of her native dignity with which the Creator had endowed her. Mary's advent into the world, bringing the Savior of mankind, changed all that. She is our tainted nature's solitary boast. I love that quote. Our tainted nature's solitary boast. But alas, the new days of paganism are with us. 
This time again, and this is written in the 1950s, it's much worse now. This time again, the sad opportunity is afforded women to step down. A changing world in the guise of emancipation offers womankind an opportunity to lower her standards, to degrade her dignity, to debase her prerogatives for childbearing and motherhood. The church has through the centuries watched over and guided the noble prerogatives of womankind, not because the church bestowed these sacred rights, but because she preserves what has been restored through Our Lady and the Redemption. When woman is an ideal, man is, strictly speaking, a builder of the spirit. He builds within himself the great edifice of a spiritual character where the Holy Spirit dwells as in a temple. When woman is an ideal, men build homes and children are received as the hope of a better world. The boy is looked up to so that he will carry on and build again as did his father. And the girl is cherished as the sweet daughter and mirror of the wife whose inward beauty grows more graceful with the passing years. Oh, dear ones, it is exactly the opposite today. Instead of mothers leading their children in in a great percentage of society, mothers imitate the young girls dressing immodestly like they do, speaking their language. But the new paganism is threatening again. It is, of course, always in the name of freedom that freedom is abused. In the name of emancipation, women are to be freed from the very duties that make them beautiful, with a lasting beauty, motherhood, and sharing in creation. Women are meant to be builders, too, in the strictest sense of the term. They are the heart of the home. It is through them that men learn to live and to love great ideals and to build character. It is through the mother, definitively closer to the child than any other living human being, that young habits and fine characters are formed. Women are the cornerstone of civilization in this respect. They are the hope of the world. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Anyone who calls himself a Christian and a follower of Christ must think often of the mother of our blessed Savior, who was closest to him all through the years that led up to Calvary. Anyone who respects women must know that it was Mary's role in Christian history to place women on the high pedestal they now enjoy. Anyone who has forebodings regarding the changes in our modern world will go to Mary and fervently pray that the rights, the spiritual rights of women are preserved, that they become modern Bethlehems in which Christ comes to dwell, and not worldly inns that refuse children's birth. None of us can live through a social revolution 
and come out of it unchanged ourselves. The world changing simply means that men and women of our day are changing. We must hold fast to Christian ideals, particularly the ideal of womankind, as it comes to us from our Savior and from his blessed mother. If we lose this ideal, if women degrade themselves, they are not meeting as we would have them meet the challenge of a pagan world. They are succumbing. They are delivering themselves to the enemies of Christian civilization. They are undoing the work of redemption. They are despising Our Lady. That is unthinkable. Women are the builders of a better and a more secure world where men may live as brothers because they have a common father and a blessed mother. Monsignor ends with a prayer. Our Lady of the hills and the valleys, look down from your throne in heaven and intercede with God in our behalf as we live in a veil of tears, preparing for the day when we may ascend the hill of heaven. Pray for us, O Mary, that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. Intercede with God that we may, in imitation of you, follow Jesus along the way, though it be sorrowful, via Dolorosa, out to the clear blue of the day, all the way up the hill, like you, to Calvary. We are sinners like Magdalene. Accept us into your company. Few of us are like John, the beloved disciple. None of us is like you. Teach us to love Calvary and to see the sweet wood of the cross upon which hangs the Redeemer and our hope for eternal life. Oh, dear ones, if women, the women of the world, only knew that they themselves have brought the destruction of the family, of womanhood, of course, the thought didn't come from them. It came from our enemy, Satan, who wants to destroy the family. The way to destroy the family is to destroy motherhood. The way to destroy civilization is to destroy motherhood. The way to destroy the church is to destroy motherhood. Without motherhood, there's no family. Without the family, there are no priests. Without the priests, the world would not exist. Because without priests, there's no Eucharist. And without the Eucharist, the Son itself would not exist. It is our enemy's plot to destroy civilization. And I've read quite a bit of news this morning. It's Twilight Zone. It is, I tell you, if I did not have the faith I have, it would be extremely frightening. It is frightening. It's completely evil coming, not just from the world but from the church, utter evil. And we feel powerless against it, but we are not, beloved. We have the faith, we are the people of God, and the church will prevail and the gates of hell will not come against it. For the next three quarters of an hour, we will take your calls, your texts, and your emails. I don't know, uh, uh, the program may have changed. I'm not sure we could take your texts, but we can take your calls and your emails, the toll-free number with anything at all on your heart is 1-877-511-5611. 
888-528-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. It just really connected me to my faith. I always considered myself 100% Catholic, but didn't really realize that I wasn't fully practicing my faith, so I learned so much through the Station of the Cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to God and so well-versed in learning more about the Bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their their fundraising and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTagg, your daily host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern for another round of Let's Talk About This. We walk through a complex issue together. Our topic will be a time for choosing. We must choose whether to accept the reign of Christ the King. The world rejects Christ. We must choose Christ as our King. But how? Hear all about it on The Catholic Current on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam and we are live and we're thrilled to be with you. Uh, and we pray that you had a blessed feast uh, yesterday of the Immaculate Conception of our Blessed Mother. It was a holy day of obligation, and pray that you were able to get to Holy Mass yesterday. Um, we are with you today. We're thrilled to be with you. And for the next three quarters of an hour, we want to catch up on um, some of our calls and emails. So our lines are wide open for the next 45 minutes. And um, just before the weekend, you're welcome uh, to call in with anything at all on your heart whatsoever. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We have a comment on Facebook from Apollo who says, Hello, Mother. I would like to know your opinion on general confession. If someone confesses their sins in regular confession at least once a year, which I believe is the minimum, not ideal, but a minimum, that's correct, how does the general confession add up? 
I hear everywhere that besides a confession, it is a good idea to make a general confession. Thanks so much. It is a good idea, Paolo, to make a general confession. If you confess, if one confesses their sins once a year, what you're confessing is all the sins, uh, as much as you're able, committed since your last confession a year ago. A general confession uh, goes through the sins of your entire life. And so uh, it's quite different than a confession once a year. I've had a general confession, and I've gone through it more than once, and uh, going through my entire life, even prior to baptism and my being a Christian, was um, uh, an amazing experience with a good holy priest. Um, And it is uh, mortifying, but cleansing, and um, uh, a good thing to do. So uh, if you've never made a general confession, it's not required, but it's absolutely recommended. And if you wish to do that, um, go to a good, and don't go on the confession line uh, on a Saturday or another day, um, because if you have a line, you don't have that kind of time. But I would say make an appointment with a priest, a good holy priest. Whether you know him or not doesn't matter. Whether it's in the same city or not doesn't matter. Um, if you want to travel an hour so the priest doesn't know you, that's quite all right. It's not a problem. Um, and just make an appointment with him and say, Father, I'd like to make a general confession. I may need your help to do it. I'm not sure how to go through that. And a good priest will lead you through it. Okay, let's see now. Um, we have an email from Patricia. Dear Mother Miriam, you and Bishop Athanasius Snyder are two of my favorite Catholic speakers. That's why I'm disappointed to see you err, E-R-R, with your condemnation of NFP to prevent a pregnancy. Well, I have to continue reading your email, dear one, but um, let me just see. Uh, Patricia, um, uh, we have not condemned NFP to prevent a pregnancy. Um, neither one of us have condemned that. Both of us have said to not use it as Catholic birth control. The Church allows NFP, and and both Bishop Snyder and I, uh, we are, are um, sad that NFP is called natural family planning because there is to be no family planning. It's natural procreation. But the Church has allowed NFP, natural family planning as it's called, to space children or protect the mother in serious situations, serious financial conditions, serious health conditions, um, something extraordinary, not to save money and uh, save up for home uh, and so forth. Um, Bishop Snyder has said, I was amazed to hear him say, when you stand before God, you will be accountable for the children you have not had. I've never heard anyone say that. But the fact is that God is the author of life, and we are to be open to life at all times. And again, in serious circumstances, um, we can use what God has given, the natural means of the body, to withhold from intimacy during a woman's uh, fertile time. Now, I'll continue with your email here. 
She's quoting Humani Vitae and says, with regard to physical, economic, psychological, and social conditions, responsible parenthood is exercised by those who prudently and generously decide to have more children and by those who, for serious reasons and with due respect to moral precepts, decide not to have additional children for either a certain or an indefinite period of time. That's just what I've just said. With regard to physical, economic, I said serious health, economic, psychological is another one, social conditions, um, responsible parenthood, this is Humanity Vitae number 10, is exercised by those who prudently and generously decide to have more children, and by those who for serious reasons and with due respect to moral precepts decide not to have additional children for either a certain or indefinite period of time. It has to be for serious reasons. Uh, Patricia says, you clearly do not understand the difference between means and ends. The end of preventing or postponing, I would be careful about your language here, Patricia. You can so speak to me, but you need to be careful about uh, speaking to Bishop Snyder um, as a laywoman so uh, arrogantly and disrespectfully. I'm going to read your sentence. You clearly do not understand the difference between means and ends. The end of preventing or postponing a pregnancy is allowed by human vitae and Casti Knobel and the papal address to midwives. The end of pre- preventing or postponing a pregnancy is allowed, she says, but artificial means, that is, interfering with the sex act, sex act already begun, are prohibited. We understand that. Those prohibited by means include the pill, condoms, early withdrawal, or sterilization. NFP, that is periodic abstinence, to prevent or postpone a pregnancy is not prohibited by the Catholic Magisterium. Well, it is by Humanae Vitae. I'm going to read what you, your quote again. With regard to physical, economic, psychological, and social conditions, responsible parenthood is exercised by those who prudently and generously decide to have more children, and by, that is through intimacy, um, and by those who for serious reasons and with due respect to moral precepts decide not to have additional children for either a certain or indifferent, um, indefinite time. If you decide to not have more children, you need to have a serious reason with due respect to moral precepts. That's what the Catholic Church, the Magisterium, teaches. Um, uh, Patricia says, psychological and social issues are allowed decision-making criteria. They certainly are. So health reasons, financial reasons, and, and the bishop did say in his interview with me, psychological as well, and there are social conditions, is not a question, but severe issues like that are allowed, absolutely. Uh, decision-making criteria as well as economic and physical, absolutely. And the decision-makers are the couples themselves, that's correct, not you, of course, it's the couple. We can't know your circumstance. You and Bishop Snyder have no right to second-guess other couples' lives and reasons to go on a sex diet. You're very um, disrespectful and um, irreverent in your speech, Patricia. Um, 
Bishop Snyder and I, and I don't put myself on the level with him, um, uh, do not, uh, are the, we're not the decision makers for couples, neither is the church. This is the moral law given by God. People in the Old Testament were put to death for so-called um, um, birth control. Um, we don't make, and, and a sex diet is, is debased language, and nobody has said such a thing. And she says, your incorrect presumption that couples do not have serious reasons to utilize the unpleasant penance of NFP is based on your own ignorance and your own attitude of judgmentalness. In fact, the existence of no-fault divorce laws in all 50 U.S. states makes NFP psychologically, socially, economically, and physically justifiable for every couple. It absolutely does not. The Catholic Church has nothing to do with civil, no-fault divorce laws. The Catholic Church is against divorce, and um, it has nothing to do with NFP. Um, sincerely, Patricia. Patricia, dear one, you're not only wrong, you're arrogant, you're disrespectful, and you're ignorant in your summation. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It means la with lack of knowledge and understanding. So I would suggest, rather than criticizing such an outstanding prelate of the church with such poor language and thinking on your part, you would do some more research. Um, reread Humanae Vitae, reread Casti uh, Canubi, and ask God to open your heart uh, with, a, with a better understanding and gain humility and a reverence for the church uh, that you are part of. We have an email from Tess. Tess says, hello and blessings, Mother Miriam. I have two questions. One, uh, first, how did the Jewish people fast back when Queen Esther asked the Jewish people to fast? And how do Jewish people fast today? I don't know how they fasted um, um, back in Queen Esther's time. I, uh, when I grew up in my Jewish home, fasting simply meant abstinence from food, period, and even water if you could. Um, completely, when we fasted every year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, 24 hours, we didn't have a stitch of food in our mouth, uh, nor water if we could handle it. Um, and that's the only way that, uh, unless it said a specific fast from meat or a specific fast from... Uh, from something else, um, it meant to refrain from food and water. And as far as I know, that's what it means today as well. Um, Tess has a second question, which we'll take as soon as we come back from the break. Um, are you welcome to call in with anything on your heart? Toll free, one 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back, dear ones.
This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 9th. Today we celebrate Saint Juan Diego. The names of Our Lady of Guadalupe and Juan Diego will forever be linked. It was to him that Mary appeared at Tepeyac Hill on December 9, 1531. Speaking in his own language, Mary sought his help in building a church at the very place where she stood. As evidence of her appearance, Mary left her image on Juan Diego's cloak. Dutifully, he told his bishop of the miraculous vision of the dark-skinned lady. In time, Juan Diego lived near the shrine constructed at Tepeyac. Long revered as a holy man and a catechist who taught by word and example, Juan Diego is now honored as a saint. At his canonization in 2002, Pope John Paul II referred to Juan as representative of all the indigenous people who accepted the gospel of Jesus thanks to the maternal aid of Mary. Thousands gathered in the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe for the ceremony honoring Mexico's first indigenous saint. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a whole half hour before us, and you're welcome to call in or email with anything whatsoever on your heart. Um, and the toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, 511 5483 or uh, email at mother at Our lines are wide open. Feel free to call in, dear ones. We have an email from Tess. Tess says, hello and blessings, Mother Miriam. I have two questions. First, how did the Jewish people fast when Queen Esther asked the people to fast in her day, and how did they fast today? And I answered Tess just before the break that my only experience growing up in my own home in Jewish, my own Jewish home in Brooklyn, is, is that when the Jewish people fasted, they simply didn't eat. Uh, they fasted from all food and water. If they had to, they would have water, but even water they would fast from. And she says, secondly, what did it mean to be referred to as an olive tree in Psalm 52.8? I get a feeling there is more to it. Thank you. And may God bless you, Tess. Psalm 52.8, I just looked up during the break, and David, who writes the psalm, says, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. And Actually, um, to be a green olive tree um, 
is to be a virile, vigorous olive tree in the house of God, representing one who is vigorous and zealous in righteousness, dwelling close to God in fruitful companionship and unity. In fact, the... um, Let me get that psalm again. The psalm describes what it means. I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. This is what it means. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because what you have done in the presence of the faithful, I will proclaim your name for it is good. He is steadfast in the love of God forever and ever, strong and solid and faithful. Okay, Um, let me see. Now, we have um, a text from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Mother Miriam, a question regarding World Mission Sunday, which we just celebrated. Is it okay to donate to that? I know that in an earlier program, you suggested we not give to Catholic Relief Services or the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. I, I... I more than suggest, I would say, do not give. As a Catholic, you must not give to those organizations because they support abortion uh, worldwide and provide condoms. Um, and this anonymous writer says, I'm not certain about giving aid to the church in need either. Well, um, aid to the church in need, I've given to for many years. We don't presently as a religious community, but I did personally for many years, and I haven't heard anything negative about them. But if you want to double-check them, I think it's responsible to double-check any organization you give to. Go to the Lepanto Institute. Um, and they normally have a... A, um, a good list of worthy organizations to donate to and those to stay away from. So check with Michael Hitchborn of the Lepanto Institute. Um, we have a text from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hi, Mother Miriam, I have a question about a devotional that I received as a gift from someone. It is entitled, Jesus Listens by Sarah Young. I was told that this series of devotionals is condemned by the Catholic Church. But I know that some Catholic stores are selling them. That means nothing. Many Catholic stores sell uh, many Protestant and even unchristian and New Age items. Excuse me. So the fact that Catholic stores are selling them, uh, shame on those Catholic stores. Um, she says, in my re- or anonymous says, in my research, I have found that some Catholics say it's okay, others say it's new age. I really appreciate hearing what you think and what you advise that I do with it. Thank you so much for being such a beacon of light during these dark times that we're living in. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you. Well, I am not at all aware of a book, Jesus Listens. I do not believe it's a Catholic title because I don't imagine... a a Catholic book with the title Jesus Listens. It's very Protestant and um, and, uh, otherworldly in a sense. So, um, and I have no idea who Sarah Young is, but um, uh, if you're told that it was condemned by the Catholic Church and some people say it's New Age, um, if if you even have a fair amount of knowledge of your faith, you should be able to look at it and know whether it's Catholic or not. 
um, what I would do with it personally is throw it in the garbage. When there is a book that is not Catholic, throw it away. Don't even give it to say. It could be Protestant. Don't give it to a Protestant because it's still heresy. It's still not truth. So if I find a book is not solidly Catholic, I throw it away. Um, we have a text from Martha. Good morning, Mother. I have recently discovered the traditional Latin Mass, but live in an area without it. How would I go about getting a place and a priest to offer it regularly? Well, thank you, and God bless all of you. In addition to recently refinding the Latin Mass, I have also recently discovered Mother Miriam and already love her. Sincerely, Martha. Thank you, dear Martha, so much. I don't know how you'd go about um, getting a place and a priest to offer the Latin Mass regularly. Um, you know, the first thing to do was it would be to contact uh, your diocese and ask if they could um, give you information about the closest Latin Mass or if there's a priest who's been given permission to say it in the diocese. That's what I would do. Um, I wouldn't know what else to do. Um, there are priests that are wandering around the country, Latin priests, and have nowhere to celebrate Mass. And um, if you can somehow find a priest like that, and he could ask your bishop for permission to come in, that would be something else. But uh, to go about getting a place and a priest to offer the Latin Mass without the bishop's permission, I don't think you could do that. And at this stage, I don't know that you want to do that. If things get very bad and the church goes underground, that's a different situation. But um, I think right now uh, you need to remain under your bishop and contact him and see if there's any way that um, there's a priest in the diocese who is offering the Latin Mass, or who might do that. And the other option you have is to move to a good diocese where you can attend the Latin Mass. We have an email from Sherry who says, I want to visit my grandchildren three hours away. The mom's family are not Christian, so it can be hard with smoking, strong language, etc. Can you give me advice? Thank you. I'm the only believer among them. Yes, Sherry, Go. So what that it's hard? So what that there's smoking and strong language, etc.? So what? Jesus came into this world with all of that and more. Um, he came into the world to bring us to God. And if you're the only believer in your family, you have been graced by God to lead the rest of your family to him. Don't worry about strong language and smoking. That's very little suffering for you to endure, to be a loving presence of God in their midst. We have an email from Elizabeth um, who says, who are some of your favorite saints beside our Blessed Mother? Well, I'm glad you know our Blessed Mother was on top. And of course, St. Joseph. St. Francis de Sales is my favorite saint in the world. St. Francis de Sales, who lived in the 16th century, 16th and 17th centuries. Um, uh, of course, St. Benedict, because we are Benedictines. Um, Oh, off the top of my head, I see I'm having trouble um, uh, thinking of others because I love those. Um, and many images of our Blessed Mother. 
Um, I, I hope that Bishop Fulton Sheen is fully canonized one day. Cardinal John Henry Newman. Um, um, uh, there are many, many beautiful saints, uh, many, many beautiful saints. And But if you're asking for my very favorites, uh, those are who they are. And uh, Teresa of Avila. Uh, probably when I get off the program today, I'll think of ten more for you. But St. Teresa of Avila uh, is one as well. Um, we have an email from Mary who says, Good morning, Mother. My question today is this, and I should say St. Edith Stein. See, I told Teresa Benedict of the Cross. I told you I'm going to think of others. Um, uh, Mary writes, My question today is this. My husband and I are in our late 70s. He has liver cancer. I'm so sorry. He has liver cancer, and I cannot drive anymore due to eye problems. Our daughter also has breast cancer, which is also in her liver. Oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. If we cannot get to Mass, my husband thinks watching the Mass online is okay, and we would not be committing a mortal sin. While getting a ride to Mass is difficult, I feel that if we do not go, we are committing serious sin. What can we do? You are not committing serious sin if you cannot get to Mass. Um, you are not committing serious sin. If you're too ill to get to Mass and someone cannot drive you and the priest or someone cannot come to your home and bring you communion, you are not committing serious sin. Watching television on Mass, uh, watching Mass on TV, um, has nothing to do with committing or not committing mortal sin because when you watch Mass on TV, you are not attending Mass whatsoever. But it is good that you can watch it uh, and then make a spiritual communion at home. That would be important, that you learn how to make a spiritual communion. You can look online for spiritual communion and together say those words and make a spiritual communion um, at home. That would be okay. But watching Mass on TV does not count as going to Mass. Um, but it's still good for your soul. So you're not committing serious sin if you cannot get to Mass. I would call the priest and of your parish and I tell him your circumstances and say, you know, if there's anyone in the parish at any time who you think might drive us back and forth to Mass even once a month, we would be most grateful. And outside of that, if you are able to bring us the Holy Eucharist, we would be grateful as that as well. Uh, we have an email from Lee who writes, Hello, Mother Miriam. The Catholic Church near me allows women and laymen to give the Eucharist. So lay women and lay men to give the Eucharist. I remember one woman having shorts on one time. They also have a choir, and they spoke of singing numerous forms of music that includes pop music, not to mention the immodesty and talking before Mass. It is convenient but I really would like to go elsewhere. I am a revert after many years away from the Catholic faith. I was a Calvinist before returning to the Catholic Church. I do not want to sound like I'm without sin, but this just seems right. I'm afraid they are acting like many evangelical churches. They are. 
It is also a Novus Ordo Mass. Should I move on to another parish? Absolutely. A thousand percent yes. Do not step foot in a parish like that. You can go to the Novus Ordo, but not a parish like that. Irreverent, disrespectful, immodest, and not teaching the faith. And she writes also just one more quick question. What do you think of the Good News Catholic Edition Bible? I don't recommend it. It's a paraphrase. The Good News Bible is a paraphrase. It is not the actual Word of God. So I would go ahead and get the Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition, RSV, Catholic Edition. Okay, dear one, God bless you, and blessed be God that he's returned you to the church. I was a Calvinist too, myself. So um, blessed be God, Lee. God bless you. This music, dear ones, for our final break in the program. And again, you'll have 10 minutes when we come back. You can call in during the break or when we come back with anything on your heart toll free. one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. We'll see you then. May God love you. Praise be to Jesus. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes. Our lines are wide open. And um, 
you are welcome, as I've been saying, for 45 minutes or at least for a half hour to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at We have an email from Matthew who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, after encountering your un- online ministry a few weeks ago, I wanted to ask about the distinction between denominationalism and the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In other words, how the unity of her triumph will look among Christians. How does its global, universal, and ecumenical relate to the triumph? Uh, he's quoted now from um, In the End, My Immaculate Heart Will Triumph by Queenship Publishing, quote, this plan, this call to each one of us for the renewal of the church and so of the world. Um, and you want to ask about the distinction between denominationalism and the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Well, Matthew, um, our Lord did not establish any denomination. He established his church. The fact that there are 50,000 uh, so or so denominations is the result of sin and ignorance and blindness and self-will. But it's not of God. Uh, he established one church that he will lead into all truth till the end of time. It is the Catholic Church. So in the, the Immaculate Heart of Mary will triumph because there's no triumph if Protestantism still exists. There's no such thing. Everyone will be brought to the fullness of the truth uh, in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. There is no other truth. There's no denominations under the triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart or the second coming of our Lord, everyone will be part, who is to be saved, will be part of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And I would say, uh, many people may say, Mother, you're, you're stupid and you're blind and you're Catholic and you think the world should be. Well, I, I am stupid and blind, I can tell you that. But I am Catholic and yes, I think the world should be Catholic. It is the only church our Savior established. Um, and if you're not Catholic, uh, I would suggest that you could prove this by fighting this statement and looking into the claims of the Catholic Church. I was trying to save my brother when I started looking into the claims of the Catholic Church, and it took me almost five years. And blessed be God, whose grace is sufficient for even the slowest and dumbest of souls. Um, so if you'd like books that I recommend, I'd recommend... Um, um, oh, by Carl Adam. Um, I can't think of it. Something of Catholicism by Carl Adam, A-D-A-M, with Carl with a K. Um, it's something of Catholicism. It's, it's the best book I read out of 200 coming into the church. That's it. Good, James. My, my dear, my dear friend James here uh, just gave it to me, The Spirit of Catholicism. The Spirit of Catholicism by uh, Carl Adam. Everyone should read that, even Catholics. It's magnificent. And it dates to a 13th century Catholicism prior to the Reformation when the entire world was Catholic. It's so beautiful. And um, probably one of the best of two other books I'll recommend as fantastic apologetics for the faith. One is Surprised by Truth by Patrick Madrid. He has a series out um, 
but his first one, Surprised by Truth, is the conversion story and great apologetic of 11 evangelical pastors who came into the Catholic Church. And the, um, the other book is by Carl Keating, the founder of Catholic Answers, and it's Fundamentalism and Catholicism. Fundamentalism and Catholicism. There are many other great books, but I recommend those three above all. We have an email from Robert who says, Mother, I have a question. If I attend Holy Mass and I want to dedicate a Mass I am taking part in, say, for example, if they are people are in purgatory or not well health-wise or wanting for someone to see the true faith, can I only offer up one person per Mass or can it be a list? No can be a list, no problem. I have only heard that one can offer a Mass up to the Lord for someone, but never heard if it was for what number of persons. I don't think it is. I think you can offer it for a whole family of 20 people or for a particular parish. Um, you know, there, there, it might be good for you to mention by name those that are most uh, near to you, that you care about most. But no, I think God takes a list as well. Mother, having been listening to you, I have grown more attuned to the Jewish fulfillment of the Roman Catholic faith. That's great. And its connection to the Jewish roots that foreshadowed it. It's so much, it's like, he says, so much makes more sense. And I have you to thank. So thank you. Well, dearest um, Robert, you are most welcome. It is. It belongs to you if you're Catholic. They're your roots. Um and he says, where do I obtain a copy of the catechism that you speak of in regards to Trent? What is the name of it or the ISBN? The name of it is The Catechism Explained. The Catechism Explained by Reverend Spirago. Um, if you're still shopping on Amazon, which is not a great uh, uh, organization to support. They sell it, but it's published by Mediatrics Press, and you can get it directly from them. He says, work is going okay, but my age is catching up to me. Tell me about that, Robert. <laughs> so far, the Lord has seen fit to allow me to keep my head above water. Hold on. That's fantastic. Me too, Robert. Um, do you and the sisters have a mailing address that I may have for anything I want to send you at all? It will not be much, but I believe in you and your mission. I think of you as I wait for my St. Benedict medal. Oh, good for you. You must be an oblate. Our website is motherofisraelshope.org, and if you click on contact over to the right, it will give you our street address, our mailing address, our email address, and you can uh, send anything you wish to that address, and or you can donate online. Uh, just click the Donate button, and it will help you to donate online. Rob says, I also have a cross and rosary of the same medal, the St. Benedictine medal, beautiful. I pray it aids me in resisting evil thoughts, not as a rabbit's food, <laughs> but a reminder of our Lord and his protection. Absolutely, dear one. Um, but they need to be blessed. If you've just bought them uh, with that medal, you need to have it blessed with the particular Benedictine blessing. You all are in my thoughts, Rob. God bless you, my dear brother. What a sweet email. Thank you so much for it. 
We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, thank you very much for all that you do. I have a question regarding my husband. I was a practicing Catholic and fell away and have returned in the last three years. I lost my mother at 18, and when I was dating my husband at 25, I stopped going to confession. This started my downward spiral of doubt and sin. Outwardly, I was still Christian, but inwardly, I was in a crisis. This continued until very recently, when I went back to confessions and returned wholeheartedly to church and her teaching. Blessed be God. Oh, dear ones, this, I, I'm looking now, it's a very long email. So, um, uh, my dear Anonymous, um, this will be the first email we take, uh, God willing, when we come back on Monday. Uh, but there's no way we have time to even read through it, let alone respond. God bless you, and we will keep you all in prayer. Have a most blessed weekend. Live the faith with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love one another and forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. God bless you.